Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast. The grant. My name is Nils Tullerwinter and I am the creator, editor and host of The Grant. The Grant is an independent, non-commercial podcast initiative with the ambition to dig into all corners of the EU R&D funding system on topics of interest for the full EU R&D funding community. This is a quite special episode. Some months ago, I was approached by one of my regular listeners, researcher and project lead Julia Parola, with a request. If I would write a recommendation for the back cover of a soon-to-be-released book, about collaboration in EU projects. Truth is that I was silent for a while. Being a podcaster indeed sometimes takes you places you had never imagined you would go. Then, of course, my reply was a big yes, followed by an exclamation mark, and needless to say, followed by an invitation to join the show for a talk about this book of hers. Content-wise, the book is zooming in on the collaboration element of doing EU projects and all the pitfalls. It gives advice and tips on how to avoid big meltdowns and keeping the good collaboration on path, no matter the challenges. And Julia does this giving a piece of herself and sharing her experiences as a professional who has dealt with implementation of EU projects herself. Truth is... I would wish more would write books like this in the community, but most people simply don't have the time. Julia, she took the time for the benefit of everybody who could use some input for dealing with the collaborative part of the project implementation. This episode is for all collaborative project implementers, no matter which funding scheme. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Grand the EU Funding Podcast. Today is a it's quite special, uh, and I guess I should be proud, and I am, because uh, I never been asked to write a comment for the backslip of a book. Um, some time ago, uh, I was approached by today's guest. And uh, she has uh, she's written a book uh, on EU R&D funding. And we'll get back to that in a second. But it's just, uh, of course, of course, I accepted to, 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 uh, to write such a comment. And naturally, as many of you have already guessed, I invited this very kind person also on the show to tell about her book, uh, which makes very much sense, as you will know, when we have been uh, starting uh, this conversation. So first of all, Julia, welcome. Thank you, Nils. Thanks a lot for this special occasion. Yes, yeah, sure. And and once again, thank you so much for for uh, for that. It's uh, I never thought in my whole life that someone would ask me to write write on a on the uh, on the back uh, of a book. But but uh, but I guess it's part of doing what I do. You stick your head out, and then people they uh, they reach out with stuff like this. So I'm uh, I'm very happy. So yeah, thanks for that. That's uh, appreciated. <laughs> Nils, you haven't seen the final cover of the book, but you are the first endorsement. So oh, you have a special place. Love it. <laughs> no, thank you so, so much, Julia. So first, without anything else, can you please introduce yourself to the dear listeners? 
Sure. So um, my name is Julia Parola. I'm a researcher at the European Center for Social Finance. This is a competence center of Unit Business School in Germany. Um, we are a very small uh, team and company uh, focusing on applied research and uh, advisory services mm -hmm. to support organizations in improving their social impact. Mm -hmm. So within my team, I'm the one who is mostly engaged in uh, European projects or what I call uh, European projects. Uh, notice that I say European and not EU funded, mm -hmm. uh, because I must admit that, uh, two of our biggest projects are actually not, uh, EU funded. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, there are also other funds. Um, so the ones I'm talking about uh, is the EEA and Norway grants fund for youth employment. Mm -hmm. We do also have EU funded initiatives, especially in, uh, the Erasmus Plus. Uh, program that by now I think you know very well mm -hmm. uh, because of your uh, very expert guests. Um, yes, yeah, so that's what we do. What do I do specifically myself? Uh, I manage project proposals, but I must say this is not uh, my favorite uh, role. <laughs> uh, I prefer to implement the projects. Uh -huh. uh, and my true passion, I would say, it lies in research. So within the projects I manage, I'm typically what you would call an impact manager. Mm -hmm. So I assist the project partners in developing the capacity to measure, evaluate, and possibly improve uh, the impact they have on their target beneficiaries and beneficiaries, uh, different, different groups. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks. And we will dig a little bit more into that um, shortly uh, about... Uh, your work because it's very relevant in relation to it's, it's important in relation to talking about the book that you prepared you said a few words about your organization you work for I didn't bring it in here in the rundown but do you want to say a few words about them uh, sure so as I said we are a small team um, I'm actually the only one sitting in Munich uh, we are very much spread out uh, we have my the two co-directors uh, sit one in Vienna and the other in uh, Abu Dhabi. Uh, we have uh -huh. a team member in uh, Bonn. Uh, we have uh, some freelancers uh, cooperating with us, and we are um, most of us are researchers by nature, uh -huh. uh, but we are all very focused on practice. So we always make sure that what we're doing uh, has an impact on on the real world. Which I think sometimes it's not the norm. Uh, when you work uh, in academia. So I think that's important to emphasize. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what kind of organization is that? Is it, do, is it publicly funded or is it funded by, by project financing or how does that? Uh, it's a mix. So it's not a public uh, organization. It's, it's a private company. We get our funding uh, from uh, so projects, uh, different, so funded by uh, public entities but also uh, private companies who require advisory in, uh, in specialized fields. We were born initially, uh, and I think still this is uh, the, the core of the activities uh, to advise um, uh, financial, pro uh, financial providers, so especially banks and financial intermediaries. I haven't introduced the organization as such because that's not my expertise, uh, but no. that's what most of my colleagues do. Cool. It's just to get that straight because today we're not going to talk about the organization as such. It's about your 
book and what you have done here. So it's just to give you a chance to share what the, what that was. Now, first of all, that that needs to be uh, be be shouted out across the rooftops. Congratulations. Thank you, Nils. I think, <laughs> I think I know what you're referring to. Now, can you share? Can you share with the listeners why I'm why I'm congratulating you? Yes. So yesterday, I successfully defended my PhD, uh, which was only five years uh, of <laughs> research, actually focusing on uh, European projects and collaborations within the European um, projects ecosystem. So. <laughs> Fantastic! Uh, it's uh, it's a, 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 a fantastic entry to what we're going to talk about. Um, now you wrote a book. I did, and uh, I don't know if you need to call me a doctor throughout the rest oh, of this episode. You, if you want, you, to call you me may. Doctor Julia. No, it's fine. Uh, Julia, um, have you finalized the book? So the book is written, um, the formatting and typesetting took a much longer time than I expected, but I think it's because I never done it before. Mm -hmm. And I had to understand how the whole publishing process works, especially uh -huh. self-publishing. So the book is ready, cover is ready, back cover with your name and endorsement is ready. So I do hope in the next two, three days it will be available uh, for... Uh -huh. So it's uh, when this podcast will be out uh, in a in a month or so. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, will it be on the shelves? It will be. So although I'm not uh, normally like Amazon, I think still uh, when it comes to some of the services, especially uh, books, uh, they have some of the best uh, options out there. So it will be available on Amazon in two formats: uh, the Kindle format, download it and read it on Kindle devices or um, tablets or the like. I still am a bit old school, and I did want absolutely a printed version of it. Ah, thanks for um, that. <laughs> yeah. So there will be also a print version of it. Uh, you uh, will have to pay for the printing costs because I'm not gonna print books that then might not get sold or mm -hmm. uh, taken yeah, yeah. and therefore you will have to just take the book and if you want printed you will have the print option aha uh -huh. well done no that's just uh, it's it's exciting uh, with a book you must also be a little excited yourself now uh julia let's uh, let's carve it out so to line out this uh, this episode for the listeners we're going to have a talk about the background your motivation and then we of course we're digging into the the book itself uh and uh, then uh, we will sort of end up in the last part uh, talking a little bit about how uh you prepared uh, yourself the work behind so to say and uh, and uh, and then if you're exiting the, the show so um, so let's first kick it off with the background and motivation so your work and what you do and how you got inspired to write the book can you open that up for us yeah i got two stories for you yeah first uh let's say the most formal one uh, or like the one that gives you a bigger picture I said before I'm an impact manager you can say and in my role as impact manager I noticed in European project there is a type of impact that doesn't get the attention that it deserves and this is also 
often seen as a by or side product of projects. And it's what I call collaborative advantage. So basically what I think is that any organization, so NGOs, for-profits, public administrations, universities, that exit a European project cannot be the same as when the project started. Mm -hmm. And there should have been some sort of gain, which is what I call collaborative advantage. Um, The organization took from the collaboration itself. And I'm not talking about the funding because the funding you have spent it by the time the project is done. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, (laughs) otherwise you've got to give it back most Mm -hmm. probably. So what I mean is that there should be some sort of added value in the long term for the organization and of course for the staff. And what I'm talking specifically is, for example, the organization staff should have acquired some new competencies. Um, maybe the organization is now implementing some new processes or it improved processes that was already doing before. Maybe it uh, uh, opened up a bit their portfolio of services because of the project or even if we're lucky, it, the, the project influenced the strategic direction of the organization. So that's how I got inspired. Like we don't pay enough attention to the collaboration process. We partners should exchange knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's why, that's why uh, the European Commission or other uh, funding entities, they force us, uh, not force us, but there are consorts that are transnational for a reason. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they could just award the funding to organizations in the same country. And there is also this, but now uh, the podcast is about something else. So all this can only happen if the partners collaborate and the better they do that, the more they can learn and mm. improve. Yeah. And so did you, was this through uh, concrete uh, experiences yourself working with projects uh, in the organization that you sort of real made these realizations? Was that uh, through your day-to-day work? Yeah, I mean, actually, I think I can even like pin down a turning point when yeah. I realized this was so important. Um, it's a story that involves a fridge, and it involves a fridge because, um, so first of all, when I started within this ecosystem five years ago, I was new to it. Mm-hmm. So I cannot say I've been, you know, showing off an experience of 15 or more years like, like you do, Nils. Um, I also didn't study necessarily um, whatever the studies are that bring you to this field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a researcher that wanted to do research and I ended up being doing research in a European project. And what happens is that I had all the, I was naive and I had all the early career excitement of a young researchers. I wanted to do good research and also because I was in the process of doing a PhD, so I wanted to do rigorous academic research. And uh, this uh, kind of started when I went to the kickoff meeting of one of my first project. We were in Greece and um, I went there and I started explaining to all the partners how I wanted to evaluate the, the, the project. And we had to set up, uh, we had to set up um, control groups to ev- evaluate the project's impact. So basically I wanted our end beneficiaries to be in a group where they receive the services mm-hmm. and in another group where they don't. So the famous placebo group in medicine mm-hmm. and the, and the project partners just look at me like if I was joking because they would never engage participants if then they don't get to support them. Mm-hmm. And so one of the project partners said, what am I supposed to do with this placebo group? 
And I was like, I don't know. I like just just keep them there. And he said, should I put them in the fridge <laughs> so that you know they keep fresh until the project is done? And of course, this was a joke, but it was there was also tension in the joke because I knew he was very critical of how I wanted to approach mm-hmm. uh, the project. And at the same time, I was also very disappointed and frustrated that I couldn't do that because that's what sometimes academic research means, right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought. This is not gonna go how I want. <laughs> uh, you know, like it's never gonna end well. And I cannot say it didn't end well, but definitely uh, the type of research I did in that project specifically was not what I expected. And uh, and this taught me a, a lesson. Like I could do this much better if I only had approached it a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I initially started to get interested in how academics and practitioners collaborate in European projects. And then I also realized that many of the lessons I had learned could apply not only to academics and practitioners, but because every consortium brings together people from different countries and cultures and sectors and type of organizations, then many of the lessons could actually be applied to any consortium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thanks. It's because this is actually enough for the motivation and background here. So, but what I also put here: Did you, did you, when you started working with with EU uh, funding, did you yourself uh, read any literature on this? That's a good question because I did have to do that as part of my PhD. We cannot just you know make up stuff out of thin air. We have to look what has been done before. <laughs> And uh, um, that's why it takes five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, there's not much around. Like, that's what I found. Like, there are a lot of people who know a lot mm-hmm. in this ecosystem. And many of your guests are basically uh, testimonials for it. They know a lot mm-hmm. of stuff about the system. There's not much literature on it. They don't put this knowledge down because uh, they are busy uh, managing projects, writing proposals. So. Yeah. There's no literature on it. The few things I had found were uh, studies um, that were done by anthropologists. They were looking instead at bigger institutions like how the European Parliament work and uh, and stuff like this. But yeah. projects themselves, like there's no literature around it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a very narrow field, right? <laughs> it is, uh, literature it is. field. Um, and yes, I've been living in Brussels for many years myself. And you have these around the, 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 the EU headquarters, uh, the Belmont building, and those streets around there. You have you have bookshops where you have uh, that that are filled with this kind of European literature, right? So, so. Uh, Uh, what do you say? Mapping the system, you know, like mapping the commission. How does this and this work? And how do you lobby towards the commission? How do you, uh, how do you do this and that? You know, like of of all, all preparatory books for the concours stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, so, but but this sub- subject, you know, like a proposal preparation, getting funding. Yeah. Nah, it's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, you don't have a, have many books to compete with, uh, so to say, with your with your new book here. Yeah. No, and also like it's not just the the funding part, also the managing the projects part. It's as you said, it's a very narrow field. There are people who know, but there is no literature on it. And uh, um, a a product of this is also that when you look at like uh, university programs that 
try to teach project management, uh, European project management or uh, project design. They are not based on books. Mostly they have guest lectures, mm-hmm. uh, they have field trips, uh, but uh, now I cannot say um, much because I haven't never participated in such a, in such a program, but I have uh, colleagues deliver in such programs and they are not professors, they are not researchers, they are people who do this for a living. And of course, they're inform- they, what they, they have, it's very valuable, mm-hmm. but it's also um, a result of having no literature, you rely on people's experiences. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> I would always normally, for instance, guys like me, right, podcasters. A business model for podcasters is often that you are an expert within a field, and then you decide to podcast because you have a beating heart for sound, right? So you develop that, and then what podcast theory? If you want to monetize, you then you write a book, and then you to sort of of uh, of leveraging. On your podcast show, you can always refer to and go and buy my book, uh, where you in more detail could dig into things. But you know what? I don't have a time to write a book, <laughs> and uh, and I guess within this sector, pe- the the professionals that work with this, they don't have time to write a book. I agree. Yeah, it's uh, especially if you have private consultants. Poo, that's uh, like by no means you would have to take out six months probably of your of your time to do this and nobody has the means to cover someone for six months to just you know like step out and write a book uh <laughs> and then you would have on the public side but then they're always collecting funding right universities and stuff like this they, they yeah so it's uh it's a tricky place uh for for anyone who knows a lot about these things in this sector to sit down and uh, and put pen to paper so well anyways thanks because you did it <laughs> so yes yeah, in yeah. A way, not covering everything like mostly of what your like project design and proposal writing i didn't cover that i left it out and it also has to do with my expertise is not that so i didn't want to say stuff i wasn't sure about yeah But it's also this area is so big uh, that uh, well, regular listeners like yourself of this podcast knows that I have put myself in for a big one, right? <laughs> Because there's so so yeah. many there are so many aspects and so many layers. So of course, if you want to write a book on a unit, you need to 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 make yeah. a lot of choices, right? Which is a nice bridge into the key part of this podcast. We're going to talk about the book itself and dig into the content and um, and how we're you know like discourse and so on and so forth. So now, first of all, what kind of book is this? So this is a short and I hope entertaining read that covers everything what I have wished I had known when I started working in a European project, at least the essentials, mm-hmm. like, you know, like what funds are, what grants are, what is the difference with tender stuff like this? Uh, because this also comes from personal experience. I didn't know where to look for information because, because there's nothing written, like you Google and Google. Uh, most of the times you land, uh, you land on some American websites that have nothing to do uh-huh. with our system. Uh-huh. And you just learn by looking others or asking others. Uh, so that's, I wanted the first part of the book to be the essentials that what you need to know, mm-hmm. everything is condensed there. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what I also wanted because of, of the motivation I explained before was to explain how to build and sustain successful collaborations 
that's why the book is both for uh, novel project designers and managers that want to learn what the whole thing is about, mm -hmm. but also for those who already are working in these projects, they could actually learn something new, I think, uh, by learning how to manage these collaborations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's actually one of the, one of, one of my own discourses uh, that uh, that when I share stuff in this podcast is you know like, I really stuff I really would have liked to know myself before yeah. so you know sharing the roughness from the sector sharing uh, how how cacophonic things are you know you know like for people when they start doing this to get a an, an expectation yeah level expectations on what is it actually to do this work you know because you have Tons of vacation, uh, open vacancies on writing proposals, right? Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. just part of a long list of, of expected responsibilities that people have. So when you come in in such a position, you will soon realize that the, the writing proposal part is going to overshadow all the rest of the stuff that is in that vacancy uh, because it's so rough now. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. We are on the same page there. Yeah, and... Uh... What part of the funding process is it covering? So you you, share, you, you already shared a little bit about, it, but uh, but but uh, what what is it you focus on here? So um, I focus on defining some key elements within the ecosystem because, as I said, I think and I think you know this <laughs> for sure even more than me. It's a very special system. Yeah. Uh, I uh, bet you wouldn't find it anywhere else in the world no there are of course crop professional collaborations in other sectors in other countries but europe is very unique mm -hmm. in the in the sense of all the languages and cultures and traditions that that brings therefore um you you don't find this system anywhere else and that's why i think it was good for me to put down some and define some key elements um for anybody who's interested so I talk about the what funds are there. Uh, we know the European Union, uh, which is of course the main uh, fund, uh, the, the main funding mm -hmm. entity uh, for European countries. Uh, but that's not the only one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I also wanted to to show this. Uh, there are other funds, and I know this because I work mostly with other funds. Uh, what are grants? What are tenders? What is a transnational partnership project? What does it mean? Yeah. What does in uh, what roles do exist within the, the this uh, consortium? Right, like what is a project coordinator? What are project designers? What are project managers? Uh, what other roles can there be in a consortium? Mm -hmm. um, I talked about how you can build a consortium, but uh, I had to leave some stuff out, as you say. Like I'm not an expert in everything. Mm -hmm. And also, I didn't want to, the book to be an encyclopedia. So I talk briefly about how usually consortia are built, uh, but just, you know, like the basics uh, of the process. And of course, there are so many other different ways to do this. Mm -hmm. And because we have no literature, I just uh, put what I saw and what I've learned in these years. Uh -huh. um, and this is like the initial part. So that would be the funding part. Uh, what are the funds and what elements are there? Uh, within these funds mm -hmm. also sorry yeah 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 okay um i also looked at um some of the programs but i don't go into the specifics uh, i mentioned them uh, i also uh, go to talk about 
very I wouldn't say briefly, but I I mean I didn't want to be uh, you know uh, too critical, but I also <laughs> talk about the advantages, but also the pitfalls of European projects, mm-hmm. and not just at the individual level, like what a project manager can do wrong. It's also like there are some systemic failures you can say uh, that I mentioned. So this was not meant to be um, criticizing at a higher level, uh, just just for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. But it was because sometimes we don't talk about this enough. And so I think this book should also be an inspiration to think more about uh, about the, the, the pitfalls of how the system uh, is working right now. Mm-hmm. Because I think there is a huge room for improvement, at least in, in a couple of things. Yeah. It's uh, it's difficult to talk about the system without stepping into also what it <laughs> what 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 yeah. challenges is within that. Yeah. So the so you so you cover so sort of leveling expectations. Then you sort of share a little bit about what kind of funding is available out there. And what then do you do you take the reader through how to prepare a proposal? In overall terms, or how I look, so the angle I took is the one um, of that focuses on collaborative advantage. So what I'm looking at is like I kind of oh, maybe just let's step back a little. Mm-hmm. This also the book is not made of my opinions, uh, but uh, I think that's also why I can set it aside from many other handbooks that there are out there. It's based on research, rigorous research, because I've been studying the system for a while uh, through the years of my PhD. So I can, at least for some of uh, the opinions I have in uh, in uh, in the book, it's not really opinions. It's more like this: there is evidence for it. Uh, so the angle I took is like, how can you establish and sustain a, a successful collaboration, and what can you do in everyday work? to make it better. Mm-hmm. And so then the, the the core of the book goes on uh, looking at very small things, project designers, when they write proposals, or project managers, when they implement project can do uh, to collaborate better. And what's also nice is that uh, when I started doing this, uh, I then also had a chance to um, implement all of these practices in one of my projects, it was also a rather big one. And I could then show that actually it works, uh, which is the silver lining here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it works because we have tried it and it looks great. And it also the hard evidence uh, speaks for itself. Uh, if you do the right things, also when you design projects, uh, the whole project will be better. Uh, collaboration will be better. Knowledge exchange will be better. And hopefully the impact of the project on the end beneficiaries will be better because the partnership worked uh, better for it. Yeah. You have chosen you've chosen to go into the machine room of a of the process. Yeah. yeah. The collaboration the collaboration is the machine room of of any uh, any project both malfunctioning and functional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it is uh, correct spotted. And of course, you did a, a good job. So you got a top grade. Probably might also have been because of the choice of how to, which filter to look through this. 
that would be my suggestion <laughs> anyway. So that's a good start because the it's obvious if the collaboration and the facilitation of the collaboration is not very well, then it doesn't matter how good the idea is. It doesn't matter how well the technologies are, how well the work package uh, flow is, how well thought of is the ingenious ideas of how to exploit things. It doesn't matter. If the if the collaboration is is bumping along on on uh, on three legs, um, then you're not gonna both. You're probably not gonna get the funding in the first place. And if you're gonna get the funding, uh, there's chances for a successful process project process implementation. It's not very big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because it in in this lies if you have a, a good well facilitated collaboration it will also first of all it's going to it's going to be a much better idea development and project concept developing phase yeah and uh, from that if you get the funding it's it's going to be a much better you know like uh, implementation of what you have thought up so yeah, but that's, um, I don't know if you ever heard the phrase, which I heard a lot when I started working in the system, that the best day of the project is the day it gets awarded. Yeah. Everything that comes after is going to be worse than that day, <laughs> which, which is a sentence that um, says a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, right. And also, I think what you said brings me to a very important thing, which is also one of the core messages of the book. You were saying if you have a person or an entity that can facilitate the collaboration, yeah. which is uh, what I think is a pitfall um, that I emphasize in the book, is that most of the times this burden falls on the coordinator yeah. because everybody expects the coordinator to be doing that job. Mm-hmm. Then project may not work because the coordinator maybe is focused on other things, normally administrative things that are needed um, to report to the fund. And also nobody explains the coordinators how they can do this. And so uh, there are coordinators that can do this very well. But what the point of the book is that actually this is a completely different role. And also the skills you need to coordinate are different to the ones that you need when um, building and sustaining collaboration. And that's why one of the roles I emphasize in the book is the one of a culture manager that can facilitate the collaboration. Then, of course, the culture manager could be the coordinator, Mm -hmm. but doesn't have to be because there might be people who can do this better. And that's what we tried in the project um, where I said it worked is because we chose, this was also in a way, it it sounds somehow innovative, but if I think of it, it's really not. Like when uh, we wrote the proposal, we decided let's take one company. uh, It was actually a consulting company and we give them this role. So their whole funding is not to implement activities with mm-hmm. a target group is not to develop work packages. They all think what they're going to do for three years is to make us work good together. And that's what they did. <laughs> like it sounds, it sounds stupid, but it really, yeah, no, no, it's great. 
a great yeah. idea. So you went <clears throat> went constantly on team building <laughs> sem- seminars. And <laughs> kind of, uh, it's not only that, but there's of course part is the team building, but they did so many more things. Of course, it's a joke. Which, no, no, but it, at the beginning it was like I was. Are we giving them all this money just you know like going go, uh, river yeah. rafting and hiking all the time? <laughs> no, but it wasn't. It wasn't, and uh, I'm really happy. Um, the company is called BB Consulting. Uh, they're in Slovenia, and um, they're a very small team with uh, anthropologists, sociologists, and um, I don't. I'm not sure. I think uh, a manager. And what they do is that they build a system uh, based on partly on the research fundings that uh, I had gathered, how to make us work better together. And as I said, um, it wasn't very expensive because it wasn't only river rafting, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) but it was many more small things like moderate conflict, uh, meetings where we had to decide on something important, they would moderate the discussions. Mm -hmm. Um, I have many more examples and they're all in the book. Uh, of stuff that doesn't that, that doesn't cost much and that you can do uh, to make the collaboration better. This is I've never ever I've seen many different uh, consortiums. I've seen many different ideas on on how to attack different elements of a, a project implementation process. But this I've never heard before. But it's a it's a fantastic idea. Because it is always on the shoulders of the coordinator to to sort of make these this element of the collaboration work, yeah, with inviting for the social dinner, social events, whatever, in connection with partner meetings, the annual partner meeting, and 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 it's it's a um, some might like to do this, but in relation to the constant flow of of the actual work. It's seen as an extra, yeah. So the coordinator is yeah. having as an extra that they think we have to have this. Oh shit! Now we have to book a restaurant for forty people. Where do I find a restaurant for forty people? You know that's good. You know, <laughs> you know stuff like this. Uh, I feel like an event office, and um, <laughs> I having someone who is not just seeing it as a as a very annoying by task, but actually making it the the core element of their participation for the three or four years it runs. It's, it's, uh, it's, I like the idea because it's vital for, as I said, it's the machine room. So when things are going well, then you can make it better. And when you run into the, that you will always run, you will always run into chemistry and issues also content where there's a conflict that you have a, someone who professionally knows how to make that as smooth as possible. Yeah, it's well done. Well seen. Yeah. yeah. Maybe can I add one thing? No. Also, if, if, <laughs> I know that's why it's yeah. a podcast. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if you think, because I'm sure you've been witness of many projects, either because you were in them or you brought them, like mm-hmm. think of the coordinators you had, because that's also something um, interesting. Were they really having the skills to do? the social part mm-hmm. because many of the coordinators, the good ones I had usually are very skilled in management and administration. So reporting tasks, uh, keeping the deadlines, sending the report on time, communicating with the fund. But, and I'm not saying they cannot do the other thing, but these are two very different profiles uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. No, but you, the normal distinction you will have, if it's not the same person, then you will have the technical coordinator and the administrative coordinator, right? Yeah. But often it would be two different organizations. Uh, you would, the, and the administrative coordinator would be the one that's coordinator by name, so to say. Uh, and then the technical coordinator would be one of the partners, the lead partners on the technical side. That's it, you know? Uh, so it's it's a, having this element as a specific... No, yeah. It's um, it's like teachers, right? Professors, you know, it, just because you're a professor, professor uh, or an educated uh, school teacher doesn't mean that you're actually good in teaching. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's um, also. Yeah. It's it's sort of the same thing, you know. It's uh, and just because you are working in a in a research institute that is very strong in a specific thing doesn't mean that you are strong in every aspect of coordinating a European collaboration project, right? No, like I could have never done. Like, so we decided to give this role a name. Now we call it culture manager because mm-hmm. we thought this was the best. Uh, but you can call it uh, rough. So, uh, what is water rafting uh, partner? Whatever you like. Mm-hmm. It's just like I could ever do this mm-hmm. because I just don't have the right profile. Mm-hmm. Like they are people with the right skills to do this, and it requires an amount of patience and facilitation skills and uh, that, that I don't have. I'm better in other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's this and also something that also came out from the data I have analyzed throughout the three years of the project. And I didn't think of it at the beginning because I saw this role as, okay, this partner will help us collaborate better. What I wasn't I wasn't thinking was actually the the project I'm talking about had a su- very high staff turnover uh, because we were mostly women and somehow everybody of us got pregnant at some point ah. within the project. Yeah. Uh, so we had almost forty percent of the staff change throughout uh, the years, uh. which sounds bad because you will say, "Oh, this is gonna go," you know, like not really well. Uh-huh. But because we had the culture manager, we didn't lose momentum. Uh, they help us. They helped with the, um, how do you call this? The, um, uh, when you bring somebody new to an organization, the onboarding. Mm-hmm. Like every time new employees or new uh, project managers came, there was, they, they were really good in onboarding them. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they didn't get onboarding from the organizations, but you know, when you get into a project that is already like halfway through, mm-hmm. like there are a lot of stuff has already happened. But thanks to these small things, uh, they were people felt like, oh, I, I, I missed some years, but I, I feel good anyways. Mm-hmm. I know what happened. Uh, I, I, I'm doing stuff with uh, my new colleagues. Uh, and, and this also, we measured them socialization among partners and it never went down mm-hmm. in a normal project if you change half of the stuff uh you will lose momentum and instead this really helped also in 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 such a case where staff turnover was really really high mm-hmm. yeah. julia look at a little bit here because we need to i would like us to talk a little bit about the how the book is built up but maybe first because what i noticed uh in my sort of 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 skimming through you use your own personal story quite nicely in the approach to the book so it is not a 
you don't get the feeling of a of a stand, you know like a school book. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you it get the feeling that there's a heart behind this. So can you share a little bit about your thoughts about this before you put your pen to paper so to say the style? Yeah, so I wanted to make the book very accessible mm-hmm. um because I'm aware that many times uh, researchers cannot do this very well. Uh we talk in a way that is not accessible from people that are outside this domain and it's not because we are so intelligent it's actually because academia forces us to write in a specific way which is uh, very different from how people (laughs) talk in normal lives uh, somehow so i wanted to do the opposite i wanted to have something that anybody would understand my mother included she doesn't speak english but if she could she would understand it Mm -hmm. um i wanted it to be fun um because i like to have fun uh-huh. uh so I, and i i appreciate good humor so i i and then it comes to that like the topic is very specific and it might get boring because how many people want to read a book about project management uh-huh. in, in european projects like really is there appetite for such a thing uh-huh. <laughs> i'm not sure you know like it has to be small and possibly fun, uh, so in this sense. Yeah, <laughs> because this is, I think it's a, it's a nice way of dealing with the fact that this is a very, can be a very technical area to deal with. Not yeah. only not only technical area, but it's also like the academ academic world, the language you have there, the EU funding world has its its own lingo and language that you. Uh, 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 perple- you know, you are uh, uh, estranged to it for a while when you start working with this because it's it's what does that what on earth does that mean? You know, you have so many things you don't understand when you enter into this area. Why? What are they? Why do they don't don't they write uh, English? Why? Why is this yeah, yeah. weird EU language that? Uh, oh, yeah. So so to 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 so the presentation. Yeah, when you, it's a it's a little bit what I try to do also in this podcast, right? I try to to put two feet on the ground, right? To to say, okay, this is what it means. Oh Christ, this yeah, is exactly. this is what it's about, you know. Trying to make it accessible for people that are supposed to access this funding, but they are uh, just it's just too weird for them, so uh, it puts them off uh, if they try. Right. Without help, that's it's the whole paradox about this this area. Yeah, I uh, agree. Do you want to look a little bit into the 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 book itself, so to say, the logic and flow of chapters and uh, and key chapters and so on? Yeah. So I um so I I, I talked a bit at the beginning about what the first three chapters are about. These are uh, the essentials of. European projects. So introducing but, the subject, so to say. Yeah, like yep. for like because I also thought, what if somebody is completely new to the topic but still wants to read the book, then you don't understand nothing of what's gonna be written because you know, like we know what these things are, 
but if you're not familiar with the European project ecosystem, a lot of stuff is going to sound like Chinese. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to be able to understand anything. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, I will do that. And then, um, the, however, the core of the book, uh, which is chapter four, kind of provides a breakdown of all the essential practices required to establish and maintain successful collaboration. Mm-hmm. So, and I also done it uh, by presenting data that I had gathered. Mm-hmm. So the, the core of the book is based on a study that I have published. Uh, however, as you said, it's in an academic journal. So nobody that I know is ever going to read that study because I don't understand it myself when I'm reading it even though I work on it for three years because of <laughs> of the way, uh, you know, like it, it's just too difficult language. Uh-huh. So what I've done, I take that study, which, as I said, it, it took me three years to publish, and it's based on 34 interviews I had with 34 ma- project managers within uh, six different uh, projects. Yeah. Uh, I inquired about... Uh, I wanted to see how they manage tensions in the collaborations process mm-hmm. and what happens when you do it in specific ways, what happens when you do it bad and and what is the best way to do that. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to pause you here because let's just throw that that block from the rundown. We're just going to take that now then because now because it's uh, we don't need to talk about that anyway. So the actual work on the process of preparing the book because it feels natural now, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so 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 you interviewed people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 34 of them for, for that chapter. Uh, there is um, much more data collection I've done in the project I mentioned. And also uh, I did focus groups and other things, but that would be instead the core, these 34 interviews uh, with 34 project managers in six different projects. Yeah. And how long did that take? Uh, that's a hard question. I just know that I started working on that paper on 2020 and I published it a few months ago. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you, and so did you tape, did you tape the interviews or uh, have, have you transcribed everything and all this, uh, the full process of a research like this? Yes. So yeah. every interview was, uh, of course, we had to ask for consent. I didn't do all the interviews myself. I was, uh, I done this with one, uh, with my, uh, one of my co-authors. We then transcribed them, uh, and then uh, we analyzed the data. Mm-hmm. After I think one and a half years, we sent our study uh, to um, a very what is considered a very good journal in academia, and they sent it back saying that's really boring. There's nothing new here, and you know what, like, write it again. Um, and so I had to redo the whole data analysis again. Uh, but actually, I'm really happy this happened because uh, I, I took a different angle and I looked at the turning point. Yeah. So I looked, what were the moments of change in the relationship within the consortium? Yeah. And what, what were the causes for these moments? And I thought I would just find in every consortium a defining moment that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, that was not the case. There no, were no. many, many small moments, yeah. uh, but they did shape the trajectory that the projects took. Yeah. Uh, so projects that... Uh, and I could back up the data because I also had collected uh, quantitative data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I looked at the collaboration levels using a scale, and then I connected the qualitative data 
uh, with the quantitative. So uh, I that you have that you have to explain a little bit. So quantitative yeah. data. So where did you where did you draw that from? So during the interview, uh, what I did it was uh, I, I can tell you how the interview was. So at the beginning, I would talk a little bit uh, with the person in question, trying to understand what role they have in in the projects, just mm -hmm. to understand. Because I was looking a, a little bit at it, uh, I was trying to understand the tensions between researchers and practitioners. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to understand, are you a researcher or a practitioner, basically, by looking at the tasks that they have in, in a project. And then um, in, the, in the, the second part of the interview, I really looked at tensions. So all the moments of conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, which were apparent in the consortium, but also, and that was also the interesting part, there were a lot, a lot of moments of tensions where tensions were not apparent. However, they, they were just there for the fact that the people come from different countries, mm -hmm. different professional backgrounds, different ways of working, which are also linked to the country, but also to the organization. You know, like mm -hmm. if you come from a public administration, you have a very different way of working of somebody from a private consultancy. Uh -uh. Right. And then the third part, um, I showed this, uh, the people I was interviewing a scale. Uh, it was a, collabor a collaboration scale, so they could rate how well they were collaborating in the consortium with, with a number. Mm -hmm. And they, let's say, I think it was from one to five. And let's say they would tell me, and with definition, so each number would have a definition, of course, one being the lowest collaboration and five being the highest. Mm -hmm. So let's, for example, say somebody told me, oh, we are, I think, a level four. And that's when then I asked them, can you tell me how you got there? Mm -hmm. So what turning points were there that, that made you arrive to level four? And mm -hmm. actually, it was quite nice to see that people really could recollect, re recall events uh, mm -hmm. quite nicely. Yeah. Um, and that's how then we could build, um, I called it in my paper, project chronology so i would have uh the, the whole project evolution and also mm -hmm. it was nice because i had uh, different people talking about the same project so they also maybe what they were saying they were backing each other up mm -hmm. uh, or they were talking about the same issue but from two very uh, two perspectives that were very far away mm -hmm. um so that's what we did and it turned out that col uh, collaborations levels were higher where um, we had what uh, are called socializing practices, so where actually project managers did a lot when it comes to socializations, uh, mm -hmm. like social events, yeah. uh, with meaning, not just booking a table at a restaurant, with mm -hmm. meaning, like mm -hmm. there should be a purpose. And what's very important, of course, was also uh, reflective practices, like the team reflecting on itself, mm -hmm. doing this regularly, like, what are we doing? Are we still, everybody still agreeing that that's the purpose of the project or did you change your mind? Mm -hmm. And if, you know, like, so these were, uh, were of course very important. And then maybe the most important of all, since anyways, there are going to be tensions in the consortium because that's just how it is. Otherwise it wouldn't be a consortium if we were all the same person. Mm -hmm. Um, the teams that could talk about the tensions where they are the ones that could also not solve them, but at least renegotiate the expectations. Yeah. Uh, instead, all the ones that would just, you know, reducing expectations, which means I don't talk about it. I'm just going to 
shut up and you know i'm gonna go on with my work and you yeah. know like this this didn't help mm-hmm. because you become bitter anyways you're not gonna forget it yeah and depending on the level of conflict or or the level of the disagreements then the ones that do not say it or, or address it or, or deal with it, they are the ones that are maybe less especially SMEs for instance they are less likely to ever do something like that again yeah, yeah. So, was that a consequence of it uh, did you also did you also include sort of how content meetings were facilitated how meetings like that were facilitated you know so not just social events but the chemistry and collaboration atmosphere in general uh, yeah i uh, was i i mean in the book uh not in the paper because uh, again we are talking about the same thing one is the academic perspective sure. published and my phd is done the other yeah. is the book it's for everybody to read and in a book i explain very well very practical things that you can do in a meeting to make it better Uh-huh. In uh, uh, you can set up some systems uh, which do not require lots of money or lots of trips of lot of expenses uh, to make the team work better. One example is what we called and we implemented it in in this project is uh, called the body system, mm-hmm. uh, which works a bit like the body system in I think in in the private sector where you have within a project couple of people, of course not from the same organization that connect much more often than the others mm-hmm. and these bilateral connections then strengthen the team as a whole and you can do this online and you know it it doesn't cost much it costs time that's for sure and how does it work in practical or practicality uh well for example in this project uh the body system work where we were so the, the, then once the project started you could choose a body or it was assigned to you if you didn't have a preference, uh, the body had to be somebody outside of your organization and not from your same country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the first thing to do with your body would be to have regular meetings uh, where you talk personal stuff. Like, mm-hmm. of course, you don't have to disclose your personal information, but you know, you don't have to talk necessarily about work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you have body challenges. So you have missions, body body triplets of couples have missions to do throughout the projects mm-hmm. and normally these are are social missions uh you would you know uh build up a present for for that event or you would uh, set up uh, like we had a body couple that wrote a poem about our project okay. and then they 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 rehearse it uh, for us uh, with uh, music and stuff like this uh, uh th- there are many more of course depends This these two were like in poetry, but uh, it doesn't have to be so. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So that's uh, we're wandering a little bit here, but so so um, so interviews, and on that basis, taking also quantitative data, sort of where you sort of measure stuff or indicate sort of of, uh, yeah. of data, more more hard data. Um, anything else you've been using? Have you been able to use any literature at all? That's how you normally would you, you would sort of scrape and and review existing literature within the field, and you would refer to it if need be or whatever. Is there anything of that you know that you could do? Yeah, so I used literature that was meant to be for um, it's it's within the science practice gap. So literature that was 
helping academics build collaborations with practitioners. And yeah, that's yeah. where I took the ideas from initially. And yeah. I saw that they applied very well in this context. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so sort of stepping out, stepping into the the discourse of the book instead of the subject of EU funding, yeah. Yeah, because that the re, that's the core of things that you've been dealing with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Are there anything with this? If so, if before we move on into the flow of the chapters and 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 how you then build the book based on this, are there any important realizations you made? along the way when you sort of things you did not expect or things that took a turn in 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 the percept your initial perception of how the book should be built up or approach uh, is there anything in your d- data collection your like research that made you realize ah oh, uh, here i have to do this i have to put more weight on this on this i mean what came a bit as a surprise during the data collection is that Normally, you know, when you approach people to ask to do an interview or fill a survey, they're not really, yeah, let's do this. I can't wait to invest my time in filling out yet another survey. Or <laughs> uh, what surprised me, it was more like they wanted to talk so much. No. Okay. You know, like people uh, were really like they also some of them took the occasion to vent a little, like, oh my god, my partners <laughs> are awful. I can know why this project is done. Like <laughs> they they, they uh, just and also of course uh, we, we guaranteed anonymity, so all the, sure. no. the, the <laughs> yeah. you know, but also in the book because I put the real like I heard yeah, I heard yeah, a phrase yeah. a little, but I and I changed uh using pseudonym. I pseudonyms, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you can't recognize the people, but they were really happy to have somebody listen to their troubles within the projects. Uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I was surprised because, as I said, I've been doing research for a while, and you always have, you know, when do you have time for this? And instead, like people were really happy to talk. Yeah, when uh, have time? I don't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but yeah, and you know, maybe it's confirming what we talked about in the beginning that this is the actual machine room of yeah. of of the process of of uh, of developing and implementing a project. It's the actual concept of co- of collaboration. No, okay, let's step into what you then did with the data and your research collection. So to say, did you? You indicated to me pre-recording that you that that the majority, ninety-five percent of the time, you've been collecting the data and that you needed, and then the rest was was a fairly short period of actually writing the book. Yeah, I mean the the collecting and analyzing the data and making sense of it because when you get all these mm-hmm. data, it's like okay, there is so much here. You have pick and like not you can't pick and choose but you have to decide what's your angle right because yeah. i could also look at it as a culture thing like is it not that was not my focus yeah um so uh that part was really long it lasted years uh, but it was also very rigorous in the sense that i wanted to, this to be part of my phd which is an academic and they were and it has to be at a high quality standards when it comes to research yeah the, the writing of the book was relatively quick um because i knew exactly what i wanted to say mm-hmm. it was just a matter of deciding how uh what is the best way uh to get my message across mm-hmm. uh, i like to write this of course helps 
Um, and so I, I mean, I must say, I really, I think I, I wrote the book. It's it's short, but it, it was maybe less than two months um, to to write it all. As I said, it's yeah. not a big book, but still, yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, the percentage is uh, sort of correct. So that's two months. That's uh, that's very fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so when you then started to put pen to paper had you sketched it out chapter by chapter already uh yeah i knew more or less what the chapters would be i just had to because i didn't just use the data from the 34 interviews i also wanted my opinion to be in the book because i do have one i've been working in the system for a while uh, but i always made sure to distinguish the two things like i said this is my opinion or this is what the data says mm-hmm. i wanted to have other people's opinions because i'm not the most experienced person in the field so i tried to have uh, additional interviews with experts in some of the things where i felt a bit more unsure like consortia building it's, it's not my specialty proposal writing neither uh funds are am i missing any because i i haven't worked enough in this mm-hmm. to know all of them um i also uh, did a couple of focus groups so especially when i was looking at the problems in the projects uh, as at the system level i did a couple of focus groups to understand am i the only one thinking this or also other people think there is a problem for example with evaluating impact and, and stuff mm-hmm. like this. Uh, mm-hmm. So I did, I, I, I went on to collect um, additional data. Uh, but once I had edited all, I had uh, pretty good ideas of what the chapters would be. And, um, and yeah, that's probably also why the writing process went relatively fast. Okay. So you mentioned that chapter four is a key chapter. That's where you fold out the collaboration discourse uh and uh, guidance i guess good uh, advice on how to deal with the collaboration process so what happens in the following chapters yeah that's good question too so the following chapter so the fifth uh it's looking at what we very briefly mentioned before who is responsible to maintain and build the collaboration is it the coordinator Is it somebody else? So I looked at different perspectives on it. What's mm-hmm. the best way? I'm I can uh, give um, now already that there is no secret. Like I don't know what's the best way to be honest. Mm-hmm. I give different options of how you could set it up, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not sure because to be honest, this should be studied as well. I, I don't know. Uh, but there are definitely at least three different options you can take in this sense. And I talk about. The, the the advantages and disadvantages of uh, of uh, these three options, and then in the final chapter, it's like on lessons learned, takeaways, messages. There is still a lot that needs to be done, and I look at what people like me and you, like individuals, can do uh, when writing or implementing projects. I look at what groups can do as a whole, like especially if you're the project coordinator or or a project designer, what you can do to set it up. And then I look at the system level. So I kind of give recommendations to funds or fund operators or uh, project evaluators on how there are some specific things that could be done to tweak the system in a way that would make collaborations easier based mm-hmm. on the findings uh, of my research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And that's how the book concludes so with these recommendations and kind of homework, what you can do at home or like. I, I also have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, uh, do you also have exercises or something like this? No, this I didn't want to do. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's for my students. Sure. The exercises, yeah. Um, so so it's uh, it's more or less a, you sort of made a, a bouillon uh what do you say bouillon uh square you know to uh to say okay this is collaboration this is the here you have the funding this is what's available this is the world we step into here's the machine it's the collaboration and here are based on a lot of interviews and collect data the 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 what they these people have emphasized based on this this is how you can approach it to have and facilitate a better collaboration. Yeah, and this is how to make the best out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's uh, this. Uh, this, it, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm so happy uh, that 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 you have done this and stepped into making the effort, not just to do it as a. As your PhD, but you actually made a, a book with the discourse of an accessible approach to share with people how they can better come through this process. But I'm so surprised nobody did it before because am I the only one who got frustrated in some meetings in Cyprus and then went home crying? Or, you know, like, <laughs> am I the only one with this bad or, you know, like, not so nice experiences? I'm sure because I hear people and I, I don't know, it's just like, it, they learn it for themselves, uh, but it doesn't go beyond that. Like it doesn't uh, get communicated so much. Uh, right. But it's uh, this is why you have consultants earning a lot of money. So are you one of them? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, that's 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 part of it. You know, it's uh, uh, there should be tons of books on the subject. If yeah, you ask me, right? Yeah. Um, uh, for some reason, this is a sector, the consultancy, private consultancy part of it. It's a sector that doesn't like to uh, share too much <laughs> about how, how to do it. Uh, contrary to many other uh, consultancy sectors, you can buy tons of management consultancy books and tax consultancy books or whatever, you know. But within this, it's uh, they they have gotten used to, to not, there's not much out there on <laughs> guidance. So even for this podcast, you know, when I some consultancy companies they don't like, they 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 say no to to join the show and share uh, how they work with whatever funding schemes or share approaches and so on because they consider it uh, <laughs> company secrets. Sec sec yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, company secrets. So they have a very specific. They think they have a very specific approach that nobody else can come up with. You know, but it's. I'm always probably you are listening right now. Some of you guys <laughs> that, have, that that have turned me down, or or with this that, that having this idea that oh we have to protect this. But it, you know what? It's not. It's not rocket science. This world. It's a consultancy on how to approach a writing process. Or developing and facilitating yeah. a process of getting the best out of 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 an idea, idea development. You know, that's it's uh, it's not. I always well, my thought is when when they turn down to be on the show, say like, well, you get a chance to 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 promote 
your approach yeah. and you think that 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 it's gonna do you really think that that the money you earn from promoting yourself is less than the money you have by protecting what you're doing there you know it's uh yeah but it's uh, i guess it's uh you have your reasons out there not <laughs> not so no, but it's i mean i don't know because i know why a lot of people are in european projects and i'm sure a lot of them because i talk to them and i'm one of them we want to do something good yeah right because i i could do another job to be honest but in the end like yeah. i know i wouldn't have the same feeling and i know when i'm in one of these projects that have like rural development objectives or, or stuff that you know mm -hmm. i care about it's mm -hmm. like you know at the end of the day i go home and i said I, i did research whatever it was but it was you know for that purpose that it's to do good for society and yeah. by sharing your expertise in whatever it is collaboration or some management practices don't you want people to do it better so that then the end beneficiaries whoever they are are also better off because i think there is some kind of moral imperative for people in our sector in this sense one of my ge earlier guests have mentioned about this element of of um you know making it complex to approach the funding you know it's it's our money it's tax yeah, yeah. it's difficult to approach then you have to pay twice you pay you pay tax and then you have to pay some guy a woman to to help you get that money back you know it's uh it's kind of perverse almost <laughs> yeah that's true. no what i want to say just is like i did it through the book uh but you're doing it with the podcast i think it's nice to share what we know like it doesn't have to be a book that's what i want to say maybe not everybody likes to read you're doing it with the podcast because maybe people like to listen to you while they are in the car uh, but there are many ways to do that Yeah, and I think I'm not going to steal any. I'm not going to steal any clients. I think that's also the point. I'm not. This is not a podcast. It's not a, a substitution for a consultant. So if you have the money to pay a consultant, you can yourself learn a little bit about from listening to what I do. But it can never substitute a person that takes you through the process of writing a full proposal. You know, mm -hmm. it's a the that it's a it can if at at best it can give people. And that's my mission, right? To give people a better understanding of what this is, and the people who cannot afford paying a consultant. They are especially target group of mine, yeah. On the beneficiary side, that they, so there's a, a certain uh, a certain uh, NGO in my heart here, right? <laughs> to make accessible yeah, exactly. for them who cannot afford that that they that they're somewhere uh, with with expert guidance and my own experience to 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 help them. Um, and I guess that's also what you try to do here with your book. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also part of being a researcher. Like, what, why am I, why, what am I researching for? For reading mm -hmm. it, you know, to myself at night. It's it's for the benefit of of society. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, just before we move on to uh, to to the to the end of this section, uh, what elements did you? Is there anything you deliberately left out? You know. Um, um, I think I briefly mentioned it before. I left out many details about um, project design and more specifically consortia building and proposal mm -hmm. writing because I don't know enough about it. I also didn't have enough time to gather 
expertise from somebody else about it. I was also on a tight deadline with the book because it's part of a project actually. So I had to okay. get going and yeah, I left it out. Yeah. Uh, which it makes sense. You have to make some choices. Huh? It's uh, you cannot cover all this. It's uh, as as we also mentioned earlier. You know that's why this podcast is quite a mission that I'm on because there's so many layers and things to cover. Uh, so yeah. But also, um, I want to leave it out in case you want to write a book. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't... so you can focus on proposal writing. <laughs> um, uh, with that suspense hanging there, will will the grand will there ever be uh, the grand <laughs> the grand book the book? <laughs> Maybe I can definitely I can release the tension. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> um, now I put here in the end, but actually we already talked about so finalization. Um, so. And now, actually, you mentioned it. I didn't think about it when I made the rundown. So, so this is how you're funded, so to say. You you did it as part of a project. Yes, it's the same yeah. project where we managed the funder to come. We convinced them to put this uh, culture manager. Uh, uh, we also, uh, as part of it, was also a study on collaboration, and the book is kind of the result. So it's it's part of a project. Yeah. So it's uh, it's sort of meta, right? It's a project about a project. It's a project, one project. It's not the first time I, I hear about it. Yeah, of course. It, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well done. So, as which as we already uh, as you already shared with with me and the listeners, it's uh, it's done. It's ready. I will put a uh, a link in my in the episode on the episode page uh, for for you who are interested in checking out the book. There, I will also put a link to uh, Julia's uh, LinkedIn profile. Uh, so you can connect with her uh, for any future work and collaboration. Also check out her, her daytime job. Uh, you might go together for for different different projects and collaborations. So yeah, no. The grand. We're almost done here, as you know. It's ah, oh, I love to have regulars on the show. It's so nice. Your um, toughest challenge. What was the toughest challenge in the process of writing writing this book? You know, I didn't want to spoil it before we came to the end, but I had a feeling I spoiled it a little uh, uh, during our talk. <laughs> but the toughest challenge mm-hmm. was translating my research in a way that is meaningful and useful uh, to practice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is what researchers should do, if you ask me, and mm-hmm. not many do because of not just because they're like this, but because of the incentives that universities put uh, on researchers. You've got to publish in specific places and do specific things. Uh, but if they had the time, I think the best would be because we do interesting stuff. Maybe not always, but sometimes uh, it's very interesting and useful, and uh, we should learn better how to translate it in a way that anybody could understand. And so that was the toughest challenge. Make the book short, make it funny, make it accessible, and uh, and make it available. You know, this, this one thing is indeed an accomplishment. Uh, that's, that's, that's another PhD title worth PhD yeah. titles in translating academia, academia and lingo into a, an accessible book to read yeah it's indeed uh, and and uh bravo uh it's uh yeah i i hail 
I hate it. <laughs> well you. done. Um, because it is uh, the ever, the, the ever, the, the, what do you say, the eternal story, right? The eternal challenge for, for the academia, especially very technical uh, parts of academia too, for people to understand what they actually do. Yeah, because they, yeah. I mean, I defended yesterday my PhD dissertation and I know for a fact nobody would ever read it, not even the people in my commission read it more probably because it's just impossible. But the, the content, the core, it's exactly what's in the book. That's a mm -hmm. nice thing. So, yeah. Yeah. People, you should read that. <laughs> <laughs> Done, like not my dissertation. <laughs> no. no. Julia, you know what? Uh, first of all, uh, before we, we end up here, it's not the last time you're here because I want to make uh, a podcast recording on the topic. So collaborating in uh, in in the implementation part of a project, I am preparing now, sketching out my, and that's uh, I guess it's uh, breaking it or something like this. I will be making a the grant implementation series. So they'll make a series on how to implement the project. So I would like to invite you to cover this part. Uh, the collaborative part. Uh, so share with the... We dig a little bit more into the actual... Now we've been talking about the book, right? But we dig into the, 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 the content of collaboration, how you collaborate best uh, with advices and so on uh, from the findings that you have. So I hope that you would like to join me for that. Yes, I just hope I will have enough interesting things to say, but... You will. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. Uh, and for that, we'll see. If you want, uh, we can bring on uh, one of your interviewees or something like this, if you think that makes sense uh, to talk about and also practical examples. But we can take that bilaterally, right? But that's yeah. something for you, dear listeners, to, to you can look forward to. It's going to be a while. The series will be started recording in the next year. And I will slowly release the series as I move on, like I also did with the timeline series on proposal papers. So. Um, so that's that's a hook uh, for you uh, for you and me, Julia. Um, I hope that uh, that, uh, that you join for that. Um, and now I will wrap up this episode before we said goodbye to the listeners. Unless there's anything else you want to share with the listeners before we close down. No, that's that's good. So, dear, dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to it. I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope that you will, uh, that many of you will go and and check out this uh, this book and read it and get get uh, good advice uh, and reflections on how to deal with collaborations in European uh, R and D funded uh, projects. Here, uh, you should of course go if you have been uh, been enjoying this, and if you're a new newbie, go to my website, thegrand.eu, and check my back catalog. It's quite, it's quite, it keeps growing. There's definitely something for your taste if you like this one. And while you're in there, by all means, subscribe to my email list. It is currency in the podcast world, so if you have any sympathy with what I'm doing here, please subscribe to the email list. Other places in there, you should browse the site, uh, my website there. I, I try to make keep growing it uh, and make it facilitating knowledge and places where you saw so I made a hub where you can, where there are different links to, um, to, to resources uh, within different areas, how you find partners, the commissions, webinars, and so on and so forth. So 
And then, of course, as I always say, if you're not already connected, do connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, this is where the fun happens. Uh, this is where I share stuff. This is where I, I share my own stuff also. I share others and so on. So, um, yeah. No, I think that's it. I have a tendency to become way too long, these outros. Um, no. Julia, thank you so much for coming around. Thank you, Nils. Again, big congratulations on your dissertation. Appreciate that a lot. Enjoy the weekend and let's say goodbye to dear listeners. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.